Okay, good evening everybody, welcome. Let's chant the refuges and precepts together. Namo Dasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Dasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Dasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddham Saranam Gachami Dhammam Saranam Gachami Sangam Saranam Gachami Dutyampi Buddham Saranam Gachami Dutyampi tamam sarnam gachami Dutyampi sangam sarnam gachami Tatyampi buddham sarnam gachami Dutyampi tamam sarnam gachami Tatiampi Sankam Sarnam Gachami Panati Pata Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Atinadana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Abramajarya Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Musawada Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Suramariya Majapamadatana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Vikala Pujana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Nachakita Vadita Visukadasana Malakanda Vilepana Dharana Mandana Vibhusanatana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Uchasayana Mahasayana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Idame Silam Makapalanyanasa Pachayo 
So before I get into tonight's talk, I hope you can all hear me. Yes, excellent. Um, I just want to acknowledge um, what a, an honor and privilege, and it sounds a bit cliched, but I actually mean it, to, to have one-to-ones with you all. And... And uh, today I was particularly feeling a lot of appreciation for um, the sense of shared inquiry. And I'm just sitting together and meeting and, and I, I really hope that, um, that, that listening to a talk like the one I'm going to give can, can be in that same spirit, uh, although uh, I, I talk a bit more than you in this context, um, but <laughs> maybe on some level, it can still be a conversation, you know. And that it's—I think that helps me to keep talking if I feel like <laughs> there's some kind of, you know, even in the unspoken, a, a sense of you, you know, listening and really. I'm going to offer a ser- you know quite a few different teachings and reflections and um, images as I'm continuing with that kind of particular interest this month, and really hope that you can kind of listen in that that way that I, I appreciate when I'm sitting in the yogi seat and I listen to a talk and I. I don't know what it is like for you, but for me, it's like I just, it's like a very grounded, open kind of space or where my intention is just to be present and and see, just, hmm, see, just let it, let the Dharma kind of (laughs) do its magic, well, or... Yeah, just listening for sometimes particular, particular images or teachings that that resonate. So, um, and so this evening, I'd like to offer some reflections around the the nivarana, the hindrances that experience of feeling, you know, uh, obstructed or. Um, so many different ways that these can manifest, and I will kind of will obviously center around the, the Buddha's list of five. But I really invite you, you know, um, to kind of let the talk maybe be 
present with you be uh, a support to whatever is around in your heart, in your mind, uh, in your, that, that feels troubling or difficult. Hmm? So that um, it's all, it's, I, I think these teachings can really help you know, just if we stay around with sort of how we're feeling right now or just what's around for us through the day or, um, you know, just this sort of maybe larger bracket of um, just troubling mind states or emotions or um, that kind of area. And um, I often, when I'm reflecting and teaching on these, I find it particularly helpful and to 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 kind of um, also or at times touch into the sense of the uh, of the mind or the potential of the mind, or we might remember or imagine the mind that is free from hindrance unobstructed, clear. Mm. And maybe more accessible than we think. Like I'm getting a bit of a sense of that now as I'm saying that. It's like a kind of looking behind you or something. I just, oh, you know, there's experience, not all of it's pleasant, but actually, oh, Okay, that's different from half an hour ago. It's actually a bit of, ah, oh, and I feel a certain sense of uplift actually from being with you in the hall and who knows, many, many conditions. Um, so just sensing, or like for you right now, you know, maybe just very simple kind of sense of, oh, the, it might just be sense of, oh, just sitting here, Hmm. Could be worse. <laughs> I, I, I like to put the bar very low. I, I find that very encouraging. <laughs> right? Okay. Happy, happy. <laughs> hmm. So the Buddha, somewhere in the suttas, don't have the specific reference. The nature of mind is radiant and pure. It is obscured by visiting defilements. So I guess, yeah, this kind of sense of The, the potential, but also maybe there's a little bit of radiance <laughs> right now. Certainly some purity. We've all been training quite a while. Maybe we're not completely 100% pure, but my goodness, there's some goodness here. It's really worth acknowledging. Hmm. So, so um, this sense of visiting defilements, I mean, this, again, different words, maybe that's a word that I, I, f- I find it quite sobering, you know, it's like, oh, 
yeah, this is... uh, So, as I I often do when I uh, do a talk on the hindrances, if you will bear with me, my favourite hindrance poem, The Guest House by Rumi. In terms of a treasure trove of imagery, I mean. So again, you know, if that theme is of interest to you, you can sort of kind of listen out for, ooh, you know, anything that, feels like it might be a helpful image for you. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if there are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice... Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So we could easily spend the whole talk on that poem, but I'm not going to do that. Um, and I always feel moved by it, and I, I feel like there's this kind of, you know, this basic invitation which I've been hearing in the teachings ever since I started practice, you know, decades ago, remembering my one of my first teachers Christina Feldman saying turn towards what's difficult turn towards what's difficult like and how how impossible that has seemed at times and then possible and you know just something about this poem that it turns you completely around, doesn't it, to be grateful for whatever comes. It's very radical, I think. I always feel like, you know, this poem kind of invites you, invites me to to kind of go beyond my sense of myself, what I can and can't bear, who I am, you know, all of that, all of that. Um... So um, the possibility that these different kinds of difficulties of of, um, difficult emotions, for example, the sense that they are, or they can be teachers, guides from beyond. I find that very inspiring. Right? 
And um, I wanted to share a, a teaching from Thich Nhat Hanh that is another way of maybe really inviting us to consider, to remember, and to explore in our, in our actual experience you know, how can these difficulties be turned to and practiced with and seen and worked with and related to in ways that actually make them fuel for awakening, actually draw the energy from them into the awakening factors, you know, actually strengthen mindfulness, actually grow compassion, It's, I find that very, um, very important to remember and easy to forget. So Thich Nhat Hanh, if we are aware of the paradise around us, it is because we have tasted suffering and we have learned how to practice with it and how to transform it into happiness. And the little I know of him and his life, you know, was you, you, you have a sense of a man who really, a person, a being who really, he really lived that in a very inspiring way. So, again, let the images come and go if they feel like they're coming a bit thick and fast, but... The image of the, the gardening, which I mentioned, I think, yesterday. It's funny, it feels like about a week ago. It was yesterday. That time thing. Um, this sense of the, you know, the compost and the, the sort of weeds and bits of grass and stuff that's then it, it, food peelings and that, that then becomes this rich kind of gunky mess that you put into the soil and it makes flowers or helps flowers to grow I, I find that a really also somehow how do we how do we compost our muck you know and our sort of rather you know unpalatable bits and pieces and unwanted <laughs> bits and pieces think it has a lot to do with embodiment and breathing and yeah the sort of healing that happens through that and through the Brahma Viharas and all of all of our practice really is maybe is is doing that work another image um, from the Buddha I wanted to bring in again this sense of you know the great the mind made great being like a, a great lake and a small handful of salt that if you put it into a small cup would make that water very, very salty. If you put it into a great lake, it doesn't really change the taste of the water.
And I think sometimes, again, that we, our mind is, you could say, already great. Meaning, big. Right? And just remembering that, because the, the dukkha, the hindrance experience is so constricting, narrowing, smallifying, if that's a word, um, you know, kind of blinkering, so, again, all of these words, or a lot of them, aren't they, kind of carry images, like blinkers on a horse or something. You know, you can't, you can't see kind of the bigger, the bigger picture. Um, you know, they're filtering, um, and they tend to distort, or direct perception in very particular ways. And, and knowing this, I almost feel like, you know, I've actually never done it, but I'm kind of thinking, what if I did, did a whole retreat where I just practiced with the hindrances? You know, that was that's the theme, that's the topic. Well, it's right there, isn't it, in the fourth foundation of mindfulness, so maybe that would be okay. I think you'd have to be brave to do that. But, you know, to really, to, to sort of um, turn to face these, to to. to, to, to Bring mindfulness to them. As as a, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like something like ninety six point three percent, roughly, of what's difficult is our reaction to what's difficult. I mean, really, I, I mean, and I know that's not the end of the story or the solution, but wow, I mean, to to. To, to f- I think that that becomes most obvious when you really... Because I was talking to, to talking to someone today about mindfulness of thoughts, which I was mentioning yesterday, and how you kind of go, right, okay, come on then. Like one of my teachers once gave the image of you're like sitting... By a hole where an animal, you know, lives. Like these animals that live in the ground, like chipmunks, you know, and you just like just sit there, just waiting. And I think I don't know if you, this is. I've found that when I do this, I I'm really struck by how the thoughts all go really quiet. They're like hiding underground. Thank God, she's looking at the hole. Oh, wait till she's not looking. Okay, she's not looking. Come out. And look at the hole again. They go quiet again. Thank you. You know, it could be a game, couldn't it? Why not? Can't we play in our Dharma practice sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> no. I want to. Yeah, anyway. So yeah, being mindful of 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 the hindrances. Um so I want to use this wonderful uh little practice structure which you're probably all very familiar with of rain. Uh, which I think originated with Michelle MacDonald and has percolated through that insight meditation world. And it's a really wonderful, helpful 
um, sort of framework for considering and practicing uh, with the hindrances. Um, and again, I really want to include kind of that whole realm of just mind states and, and emotions. So re- recognizing the, the rain, rain, R A I N, and sometimes another N. So I might touch on those a bit as we we continue. So um, images from the Buddha. You know, maybe you know these, and they're water. They're water images. So again, they're images which is likening the mind to a body of water, and sometimes. You know, I, I can practice that where I I kind of feel into my body and, and then I, I kind of feel into the mind. And so if if this mind was a body of water, uh, well, how would it, what would it be like at the moment? You know, and the Buddha gives some examples for, for us in these five hindrance uh, experiences. So... Aversion is likened to boiling water, the water that's yeah, boiling. And one thing I recently thought about these images is they kind of suggest also what might be helpful. So if you think of boiling water, there's a heat source, isn't there? Heating it up and making it, making it agitated. So what if you take that heat source away? Right? So maybe for when we're caught in aversion in some different form, we think, what's heating this up? You know, can I just cool things down a little bit? Or what would, what would help with that? Just to, yeah. So with sense desire, um, he likened the mind to like water with dye in it, colored dye. And this, I think, touches on that aspect of how, how um, perception is distorted or filtered or um, shaped, directed, you know, like, a, like looking through a lens or like a colored, you know, piece of plastic or something, and then everything looks a certain way um, so once I was sitting by the sea in England and um, you know it's I love the sea right <laughs> the sea is wonderful it is innately beautiful right this is very strong can you hear all the delusion here you know it's like you know, if I lived by the sea, I'd be perfectly happy all the time. <laughs> Why don't I live by the sea? For goodness sake, Britain's an island. What am I, you know, this kind of very... Uh, so I, I was reflecting on perception and at one point, and I sat on the beach, it's now quite near Guy House, a few miles away, and I was like, right, looking at, looking at the sea and seeing if I could play with the perception a bit. And remembering that uh, my husband, when he looks at the sea, he sees a massive parking lot. 
which like shocked me deeply when I first, I was like, how can you, you know, and parking lot obviously not highly pleasant or interesting. So I, I started to look and just see if I could let it fade, let my perception fade to it's just grey colour, shape. And the happiness started to fade. Oh. 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 <laughs> now I'll say go back up. See it really beautiful. Oh, happy again. Lovely. Look how the rocks and the sand and the sea. And then so I played a bit and I went back and then I and then I kind of went almost sort of down and like could it be possible to see this is unpleasant? <laughs> and I, I, I could say that was harder. That was harder, but I began to sort of get that sense of, yeah, okay, I, I began to get a sense of that being possible. So the filter, the filtering of perception, I mean, not just with sense desire, I think it, you know, it works with all of the hindrances, right? Everything's boring. You know, sloth and torpor, there's nothing worth bothering about. Matt's boring, the floor's boring, my head's boring, and my life is boring. <laughs> the Dharma is boring. I've heard this 59,000 times before. For God's sake, why doesn't somebody say something new? <laughs> you know, perception being filtered, perhaps. Yeah, or aversion, yeah? I mean, I know this is one of my top favorites. just not quite right or it's really wrong <laughs> or yeah the body could feel a bit better or it's, it's feeling quite good but it's going to change it's going to go downhill in a minute just you see <laughs> <laughs> well, that person over there god they're so annoying you know why can't they you know I don't know what you know fill in the blank <laughs> I go remember being on retreat here a few years ago, and for some reason, <laughs> the noise of someone's slippers slapping along the floor was just put me into a rage. I was just like, "This is outrageous! How can you be so insensitive?" I just, you know, um, and I kept, you know, it started to leap. I was like, "Okay, come on." Let's practice with this. This is, and so I couldn't quite stop doing it, but <laughs> I I managed to put a bit on the end, so I'd be like, you know, slap, slap, slap. Oh, yeah. maybe well, <laughs> just like tiny weeny weeny bit of meta, like maybe well, bit grudging, <laughs> but actually it did end up sort of helping. So probably you've all experienced that and that yogi mind, you know, the way retreat can intensify. I'm sure, you know, maybe we'll get together sometime and tell our retreat rage stories. Um, I remember just like, on guy at Guy House, you know, he was so enraged during retreat and he just left. I heard this story later, I didn't know this person. And he, he didn't come to until he was 10 miles away. Just went, oh, oh. This is me imagining. <laughs> it's like, ah, stop like. <laughs> What's actually happening right now? <laughs> and, and he came back, continued with the retreat. 
So I think of that as being a kind of happy ending. Anyway, yeah, apron rage. Okay, one more, and then we'll move on. Um, so I was on work retreat at Guy House. <laughs> you can laugh now, I didn't then. And I was work retreat, yogi in the kitchen. And one of the, you know, staff people was not wearing an apron. Outrageous. And it would be like steam was coming out of my ears. He should, he should, he should know. I'm wearing an apron. Everybody wears an apron. Does he think he's exempt from this? Why? He's special. It's it's health and safety. You know, it's like on and on and on. Maybe there's something about kitchens, but anyway. So I actually, again, this is not not very uh, flattering for me. I um, I blurted out, "Why aren't you wearing an apron?" <laughs> I just couldn't contain it anymore. And so he just turned and looked at me, really like in shock, and said, "You shouldn't be talking." <laughs> Oh, gosh. Right. What was this talk about? Um, (laughs) Oh, hindrances. Right. There's some boiling water for you, isn't there, with the the aversion? Oh, dear. So sloth and torpor likened to water full of algae. It's really, you know, when there's a lot of drowsiness and sleepiness and that sort of sludgy, foggy, kind of, you know, bleh. Again, different different images, maybe, for different people. And, like, what again, what does that need? What do we, yeah, what's needed with that? And I, I'm sure you've also all heard of the multiple hindrance attack, where all of these are either gang up on you all together, or they come in sequence, First you're angry, then you're greedy, then you're really restless, you know, then you just go to sleep and then you wake up and you wonder, what the hell am I doing here? Doubt, you know, it's sort of, they often kind of encourage each other, I think. So doubt, oh sorry, restlessness and worry is likened by the Buddha to water with wind, um, kind of ruffling the surface and again I think you know that sense of whether restless fidgety moving you can't really see what is happening or what you need to do it's that kind of and so you keep fidgeting and moving and being restless because you don't you can't see what to do so you keep moving being you know it's like a like all of these hindrances, don't they kind of feed each other? I'm like so angry that I'm so irritated, or it's like you know. You, so how do you how do you step away? How do you cool cool the water? How do you? So with doubt, I I had forgotten this, but it's like a double whammy. It's likened to muddy water in a dark place. So you know, with that sense of 
not only is the water muddy and you can't see, it's also in a dark place. And I think, you know, sometimes doubt is talked about as being the sort of most sort of, in a way, dangerous hindrance because, you know, you're in there in the dark and you just like, you just don't know what's, what's what, what to do. So, again, what's, what's needed there? What's needed um, when the mind is in that, in that sort of place? Yeah. Okay, so, uh, right, so I want to go on with this um, kind of R of RAIN, recognize, with uh, teachings from Bhikkhu Nalio. Now, um, I'd like to, to offer that and then um, some images that to me kind of illustrate the teaching so sometimes maybe it's helpful to hear a more analytical kind of um, uh, commentary or yeah analysis of the hindrances so I'm slightly changing mode maybe from image to to a more lo- maybe logical analysis and for some people's minds maybe that's kind of often the most helpful thing but maybe both both can be helpful so i want to share this two quotes from Bhikkhu Analio which point to something that i've i've come to feel is really important and really helpful to bear in mind in in relating to any kind of difficult mind state, you know, very subtle, very very gross, very confusing, very obvious, whichever. So, let's see if you. It's it's really about non-reactivity. It's really about pointing to that kind of possibility of being kind of really still and steady and aware in the presence of what is really pushing, inviting you to get all into apron rage or whatever it is, you know, it's inviting you to get really, like, what is it to, so this sense of, um, yeah, non-reactivity, and then maybe some some images just just to help, hopefully, point and clarify. So Bikunalio, practice requires an ability to face the presence of a hindrance in one's own mind without immediately reacting to it by trying to push it away. Believing mistakenly that true meditation only takes place in the absence of any defilement. Much to the contrary, really transformative meditation takes place in precisely those moments in which the presence of a hindrance is honestly recognized and made the object of one's awareness. And 
And then another piece from Biko Analio, which I hope is kind of about the same thing. It actually is in a part of his book, which is more on the third foundation of mindfulness of mind. But I, I think it's also really... So just see if you can... This, to me, it points to this kind of just... Yeah, something really right, right here about this. Maintaining non-reactive awareness counters the impulse towards either reaction or suppression contained in unwholesome states of mind and thereby deactivates their emotional and attentional pull. I'll just go through it again because there's a lot in there and I'll put it on the board if anybody's interested. It's so maintaining non-reactive awareness counters the impulse towards either reaction or suppression contained in the unwholesome state. Just stop there. It's like... That's, to me, really interesting. That, again, it's this sense of the hindrance energy comes kind of loaded with tendencies to, you know, act out, believe in, you know, get reactive to, or suppress, deny, yeah? Kind of, no, this isn't happening. No, I'm not feeling this, or, yeah, kind of. So this non-reactive awareness, by not kind of being hooked in to that, to reacting mm, 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 or denying, suppressing, that takes the wind out of its sails, to use another image. It deactivates their emotional and attentional pull so, so there's something here about appreciating almost a magnetic quality of, of the hymn. It's like, you know, pull, pulling you, kind of, I was thinking of it, like it's like a tempter. Like we could see that as one of the manifestations of Mara, you know, this personification of, of yeah, the tempter in the Buddhist teachings coming, you know, to... Pull, pull you in, pull you away from steadiness, clarity, you know, clear seeing into re- reactivity. So sorry, I know there's a lot there, but if you are interested, you can look at it on the board. But maybe just get that sense of the possibility of, well, perhaps you know, you've experienced for yourself that sometimes the extraordinary, kind of just, in them, even in the face of really strong, like already activated emotions and, and, and thoughts, there's this, you can sort of feel this just stopping in the presence of that. So I wanted to share in relation to this three images from Ajahn Suchito, who a very beloved teacher of mine I know some of you and 
I hadn't listened to this talk before, and I, I so I wanted to share um, these images, which seem very pertinent to this particular recommendation from Bhikkhu Nalio. So I hope I'm going to try and channel Ajahn Chito a bit here. So forgive me, because I didn't just want to read out to you what he said. So um, he says something like. Uh, sometimes hindrance, it's like, it's like a bear, and bear is coming. And, like, Whoa. and what you what you've got to do is play dead. Just play dead. The bear will bat you a few times. Just play dead. Bear, just gets bored, wanders off. Hindrance overcome. Yay. So, you know, I, I heard this and I was listening. I, of course, I, I, I love it because I love him and all these images and things. But then I, I actually brought it into my meditation practice and I used, I kind of intentionally brought the image to mind with something that is coming up for me in my life that I find quite scary. And it was really helpful. Like that, I could feel like using that image. I was imagining that situation and the fear, sort of a bit like the bear. And then I was just like, play dead. Okay. So the second one, he said, sometimes I mean, hindrance, hindrance is like octopuses. And I was thinking it's octopi, technically. But anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> Hindrances are like octopuses. So, you know, it's like they've got all these, they've got all these tentacles in it, you know, and you've, it's got one round your wrist, and you get that off, and then another one goes around your ankle, and then you get that one off, and another tentacle comes around and gets you in the waist. And, and again, I, I took this into meditation, and I thought, wow, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is, um, and his, his, his recommendation with this one is just get really, 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 really still, and small, just get really small, still, and you slip out the octopus's tentacles. And then the third one was, um, so the hindrances can be like a swarm of flies, I think this is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, around here at the moment, it's like, yeah, the, the flies, mm. And and his 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 recommended um, kind of approach to this was don't know don't know, which if you don't know is English for I don't know. Like, don't know. Yeah. Well, don't know. <laughs> so I don't know if you yeah it's. Just so so interesting to me. I hope that makes some sense. Where it's the power of playing dead, you know, of of being of being, oh dear, this is hopefully not too ridiculous. So um, oh gosh, time's getting away. I have only got to R of rain. I had lots more I wanted to share with you. Um, so maybe just a little bit on the A 
of rain that accept um, because that feels like incredibly important and it's touched on in the guest house you know that sense of somehow inviting being respectful being some somehow um, willing to encounter even befriend um, so another teaching from let's see who have we got here um, Fred von Alman a teacher from Switzerland all that's really needed is careful kind presence and mindfulness which I love I know it's not an image but I thought that was so lovely and let's see ah Pema Chodron the healing comes from letting there be room for grief for relief for misery for joy Mm -hmm. maybe that's again the image of having room it's a little bit like the guest house making room um yeah. So, um, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll end with just a little uh, sharing um, the other set of similes from the Buddha, which um, express that again. If we go back to the beginning, the sense of the mind free from these hindrances, free from disturbance, free from free from these difficult energies. So the absence of sense desire is likened to being free from debt. The absence of aversion is likened to having recovered from an illness. The absence of sloth and torpor is likened to being freed from prison. And the absence of restlessness and worry is likened to being freed from servitude. And lastly, doubt. And the absence of doubt is likened to arriving in a safe place, having crossed a desert. So um, I, I'll finish with another wonderful acronym. I'm not going to tell, tell you the whole thing. I'll put it on the board so you can see it. Well, I just want to read you the last, the last bit. And it's an acronym for working with the hindrances from, um, from Gil Fronsdal. And it spells Bella, which means beautiful in Italian. And the last letter, A, is appreciate its absence, right? So appreciating, yeah, that, that which is not present, right? That absence, and that's something the Buddha really recommends, isn't it? That we just, it's the presence and noticing the absence is just as important. And then um, Gil says, Unhindered attention is a treasure. To be present without being hijacked 
by the hindrances is a joy. So I'll bring it to a close there. Thank you for your attention, for your good-heartedness, for your um, dedication to practice, for your willingness to bear with what's difficult, and for everything you have yet to discover. May all beings find freedom and peace of heart uh, for their own benefit and happiness and the happiness and benefit of all beings everywhere. Okay, so let's close our time together by chanting the reflections on the sharing of blessings. goodness that arises from my practice. May my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon, and all virtuous leaders of the world, May the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent or hostile, May all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless. Through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing, May all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nibbana in every kind of birth. May I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. 
The solitary Buddha is my noble guide. The Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, may darkness and illusion be dispelled. <laughs>